I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning at WorkInSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. There's a theme already clearly presenting itself in 2021. Get back to work. I didn't have to spend a lot of time workshopping that theme. There wasn't a lot of debate or struggle. It's pretty clear as day. 2020 wrecked a lot of people. Careers were put on hold. Bills became hard to pay. Health was in question. It became pretty hard to see a bright future. Everyone, in some way or another, was knocked down. I don't mean this to sound trivial, and I'm not minimizing the pain people are going through, but it's time to get back up. I tend to be someone who visualizes a lot. I'm what you call a visual learner. If I drive somewhere once, I'll never forget how to get there again, because I can see it in my mind. I can picture it. If I'm shown how to do something, whether that is fixing the plumbing or running a report in Google Analytics, it sticks once I see it. Because I know myself and what impacts me the most, I conduct a lot of visualization exercises throughout my day. Sometimes certain visuals get stuck in my mind on a loop, right? And they, and, and they get stuck there and they keep playing themselves over and over again. And it's like a constant reminder to think about them. And there are two that keep resonating with me and are very indicative of 2020. Number one is from my all-time favorite movie, Goodwill Hunting. If you haven't seen it, Go now, do it. Stop the podcast. Go watch Goodwill Hunting. It holds up. There are some movies that don't stand the test of time. This one does. I literally just watched it last week again with my 13 year old daughter, which also taught me that there's a lot of swearing in that movie. Anyway, there's a scene where Robin Williams, who plays a psychologist, is trying to help the troubled boy genius Will Hunting, played by Matt Damon. And he's looking him in the eyes and saying over and over and over again, each time with more meaning and feeling, it's not your fault, which eventually makes the tough-skinned hunting break down and cry. Well, that's 2020 for you people. It's not your fault. That's a realization we all need, but it's not enough. Just realizing it isn't your fault is a good start, but it also puts you on the verge of excuse-making. It's not my fault, so let's grab another big bag of Doritos and watch the UNC Greensboro Wofford game on ESPN+. Nope, that's not the visualization or reality we want. It's time to channel the second thing that keeps going around in my head. Your inner Herb Brooks. The rousing pregame speech from the movie Miracle about the miracle on ice when the U.S. defeated the Soviets in the 1980 Olympics. Herb Brooks, for all you don't know, was the head coach, played by, wait, who was that? Kurt Russell. Yes. Took me a second there, sorry. Played by Kurt Russell in the movie. I'll summarize his speech thusly. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Now, he said a little louder than that, but the message is there and still kind of gives me the chills a little bit. It's not going to come to you. It's not going to find you buried in a pile of misery, self-doubt, and Cheetos and offer you salvation. It's on you to take it. This month, to get you focused on all the steps, strategies, and trends for hiring in 2021 because we all want to get back to work, we will feature interviews with three incredible people connected to sports talent acquisition. John Ferguson, VP of People and Culture for Monumental Sports and Entertainment, That's the Wizards, Capitals, Mystics, TV networks, esports teams, you name it. John's amazing. Callie Franklin, 
VP of Human Resources for NYCFC of the MLS, and today's guest, Matt Resnick, former Director of People Acquisition for the Madison Square Garden Company. We're talking Knicks, Rangers, super exciting stuff. After graduating from Florida State in 2004, Matt has really done it all in sports. He started out in sales, inside sales for the Orlando Magic worked in youth sports, transitioned to the agency side, and then for the last seven years has been focused on recruiting and talent acquisition, most recently with the Madison Square Garden Company, which again, is about as big as it gets in sports. What is really cool and unique about this interview is that Matt and MSG decided to part ways in the fall. So he was taking all of his knowledge and applying it right now to his own personal job search. So this is really, really applicable. And he really relates to all of you because he's living it as well. He's not just somebody out there trying to make the decisions. He's trying to take every kernel of knowledge he's learned from hiring and apply it to himself and share that with you. It's great stuff. He's sharing it all during this conversation. So let's get into it. Here's Matt Resnick. Hey, Matt, how are you doing today? Brian, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is great. I'm glad you're jumping in here. I love talking with people with a background in talent acquisition because we get really into the weeds. Like we really get into the depth of the discussion and help young sports professionals stand out in a competitive marketplace. So thank you for joining me. Absolutely. Yeah. Good to be here. I'm a former work in sports, uh, you know, subscriber and follower yes. and still following. But, you know, my younger years was all over work in sports. So That's awesome. uh, I'm glad I can help out in any way at all. Oh, that's awesome. Great. Well, seriously, there's a ton I want to talk to you about. There's so many things going on in the market right now. The future of our industry, trends, pet peeves, all these different techniques people use in talent acquisition. But let's start out a little bit understanding you and your background. Um, sports management major at Florida State. What was the plan for you early on? When did you kind of know sports was your path and that you wanted to follow this as your career? Yeah, that's a great question. I think when uh, I started playing t-ball five years old. No, I, I, you know, I always knew, you know, sports is something that, you know, wasn't just my passion, I mean, it was my life, you know, following every sport, every team, every game, um, you know, growing up, my grandparents would say to me, aren't you interested in science or don't you want to play a musical instrument? Nope. Um, no, I, right. I was like, no, I'm good here. And then I started working in sports and they understood. But, um, you know, just kind of growing up around sports and, and in sports. And I had a former basketball coach who was uh, well connected to the sports industry and sat me down. I was in high school and said, you know, there's this thing called sports management. You can actually major in it instead of doing something like business or, or yeah. something like that. And I was blown away. And I really looked into a lot of different programs and um, landed on Florida State. And, and once I had that conversation, I knew career in sports. That's that's where I'm headed. hundred percent. We have some listeners who I know are at Florida State right now uh, that are in the athletic department, actually. So I know that they're like, oh, great, Seminole, I'm going to listen now. You know, they're all going to pay attention. Um, <laughs> so like so many others in sports, like we, I talk about this all the time, half the people, I mean, half the jobs generally on our job board tend to be in sales, right? So that's, that's where a lot of jobs start out in the, in the industry. You were the same way. You started out in inside sales with the Orlando Magic. Now, obviously, this didn't become your long-term career, but what was, take us back, what was that experience like for you? starting out in that way, understanding a little bit more about the industry and revenue creation and those important steps. What was it like working in sales for an NBA team like the, the Orlando Magic? Yeah, you're taking me back. So uh, <laughs> back, way back in the day, working for the Magic, Brian, it was the worst job I ever had. And it was, <laughs> yes, I love the honesty. <laughs> and it was the best job I ever had. I Great. mean, hands down, you know, I, I'm not a salesperson. I mean, people say I am now because I'm a recruiter and I'm selling every day. But, you know, I hated asking people for money. It was a tough job for me every day. 
I took it. So I'm going to start why I took it, but I'm going to backtrack and tell people this is not advice for anyone. So don't follow it. <laughs> I, I took it because I wanted a foot in the door and anyone that's in sales right now is, is just like have their hands on their head. They hate that. I just said that, but I wanted to be the GM of the magic. Like everyone growing up in sports, you want to be the GM. I thought it was realistic. Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm not giving up, but, you know, not there yet, but I thought this was a great step. And I learned so much in sales. I mean, everything from just simple things like organizing your time, how to talk to people, how to operate in a business environment, um, how to take rejection. I mean, you're, you're told no in a sales role so many more times than you're told yes. And that's life. And, and you really learn how to roll through those punches and just move on to the next one. And the experience that I had there, I still look back on it to this day. And this was, I mean, geez, this was Dwight Howard's rookie year with the Magic. So this was, I think, 0405 season. Yeah. I mean, this was way back, maybe 05, 06, can't even remember. But um, still look back <laughs> on to this day. It, it was a great experience and, and learned so much for sure. So I think that's fantastic. I mean, it's really cool. And I think I love, I love the perspective and the honesty. Yeah. So I do mm-hmm. appreciate that because we <laughs> yeah. do, we have a lot of people that say, yeah, I did sales. It wasn't quite a match for me. I have other people that are like, I did sales and now I'm an executive VP. So it's a, a great path for some people. Absolutely. Looking at your career path in particular, you've had a, almost like multiple careers in a way where you've, you've kind of zigged and zagged a little bit, which I think is normal and, and great, but sales with NBA team, like we mentioned, you worked for a sports agency, you ran basketball combines and recruited athletes. We have a lot of people in the audience that are like in that undecided mode, I'd kind of call it where they're like, I'm a sports fan. I love sports. I want to work in sports, but I don't really know what I want to do. So was that kind of where you were at too, where it was this kind of exploration through the journey and kind of figuring it out as you went? It was, you know, it it was a big journey. You know, again, just, I had that dream of working in the front office. Um, I would tell everyone listening, if that's your dream, don't give up on it, but have a backup plan. You know, it's, really hard to work in the front office of a sports team in any sport. So stick with your dream, do what you want to do to get there, but have a backup plan. And for me, it was really figuring out that sports has more to offer than just being the GM or working in basketball operations. And, you know, it took me a few different positions in a few different sectors of, of sports and especially basketball to kind of figure that out. But, you know, I learned so much along the way and, and so much exposure to pro athletes and pro teams and, and companies, just organizations that are global. Um, and it was a great journey. And, and again, I can't emphasize enough. There's more to sports than just working in the front office. And there's a lot of fun jobs out there. And the sooner that you realize it, I think the sooner you can start on that really exciting career. It's funny, like I started out in the sports media and that's where I've spent most of my career because when I was coming up and I was in college, everything was like highlights in ESPN. Like that was to me what the sports industry meant. Like I wanted to watch highlights, create highlights, be part of the TV story. And the further I got in my career, I'm like, wow, there's a lot more to sports than just like, just like watching games and watching highlights. I mean, it's, 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 it is, it's kind of like a discovery process for everybody to find out. It's like any other business. There's so many different types of opportunities in there. Okay. So Catch us up to date then. How did you end up in the area of recruiting and talent acquisition? Because that seems like another shift from where you were. Yeah. So, you know, I worked for two different companies, um, you know, a little bit after I graduated from Florida State. So one company, like you mentioned, had me running basketball combines and recruiting events all across North America from 
Toronto, Vegas, uh, Washington, D.C., Orlando, Florida, all over the place. And these were set up to get players exposure to pro teams overseas that, you know, played college ball, but not at a high level. So they weren't going to the NBA. They weren't going um, at the time to the D League, now the G League. Um, they needed exposure teams all over the world. So we ran those. From there, I went on to work for a sports agency um, and continued to run camps and get guys exposure. So after I left the agency, sports agency world is... If I say volatile, I mean, that's a, a soft word, I think, to yeah, use right? for that industry. <laughs> that's so hard. Wa- yeah, I wanted to catch on with something a little more corporate, a little more stable. So started working yep. for a staffing agency and, um, you know, so more recruiting. Right. But this time out of sports, finance and accounting. Not for me, you know, needed to uh, I can pay my credit yeah. card bills. That's it when it comes to finance and accounting. So <laughs> a job opened up at MSG and I saw it and thought, you know what? This marries my love for sports and my love for recruiting. Um, never got called. And what I did was I reached out blindly to a VP in HR on LinkedIn and said, I am perfect for this job. I, I, I am the person that you need me to be recruiting. I've been around pro sports my whole life. Uh, she replied and said, you know, person X will call you the next day. And then person X three weeks later was my boss. And, uh, was that's in crazy. MSG. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Okay. Let me, let me ask you this then before we get into all the other details, would that technique work on you? Like if somebody reached out <laughs> to you in that manner, would that result in a conversation and possibly an interview? Yes. And, and only would. The, okay, good. Oh, I can't say every time. So everyone who's now <laughs> searching me on LinkedIn, you know, uh, be careful. But um, because, you know, I, I put myself back in those shoes, you know, and put myself in that position again where, you know what, it takes a lot to get a job, especially these days. And it takes a lot to get a job in sports. And I understand that firsthand. I've been there. I've been through it. So I try to put myself in those shoes still and, and try to help out any way I can. Um, is it guaranteed to get an interview and a job like what happened right. to me? No, but, you know, I'm going to look at that message and I will see what I can do for sure. Yeah, it's important, though, that you had the background and the experience and all the other c- things that, that went to the job, right? It exactly. wasn't just a wish and a prayer. You actually lined right. up your skills with this job. So everybody listening, understand you have to have the skills, too. That, that kind of matters in this whole discussion. That helps. Yeah. Yeah. So over the last five years, you've been the director of people acquisition for Madison Square Garden and the New York Knicks. Amazing job, right? Uh, before we get into the whole recruitment process and everything like that, and strategies and tactics and all those things we can talk about. Now you're on the other side of things and you are looking for work and you are going through this from a different point of view. What has it been like for you to go from in a position of this high profile at MSG to now being on the outside and, and, and looking for opportunities yourself? It's been interesting. You know, I think um, I've had to coach myself the same way that, you know, it's pretty involved with our uh, internship program while at MSG. Um, just helping them out, you know, working as uh, not really a mentor, but a coach, you know, presenting how to build a resume, how to network, things like that. So I find myself as I'm in this job search now going back to what I would tell the students, right? I'm, I'm yeah. applying these jobs at these certain companies that are really hard to get into. And, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm going to apply and I'll send an email message to a couple people on LinkedIn and kind of sit back. And I find myself saying, you know what, what I always tell the students is, if you're not doing it, somebody else is doing it. So then I'm like, all right, you know what? I got to go further. I got to go harder. I'm going to talk to more people. I'm going to then go into my personal network, see if they know someone at that company and just keep going. Mm-hmm. So I find myself, like I said, coaching uh, myself a little bit more than I have in the past, but um, it's interesting to be out there again. You know, like you said, it's been five yeah. years, you know, five and a half years since I've been on the market and um, times have changed a little bit, but it's still just all about, you know, networking and finding the right job to match your skill set, like you mentioned before. Well, I think we can all agree that 2020 sucks. So let's just <laughs> move, move on. Are we move done with that. Is it over yet? Yeah, exactly. Is it over yet? <laughs> I saw uh, my wife saw a T-shirt the other day that said, 
whatever this is, can we be done with it? <laughs> and I was like, there it is. You Please. summed it up perfectly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, okay. Let's get into the fun stuff a little bit. Let's talk about the you know experience and talent, talent acquisition and experiences that you had in, in recruiting. Uh, this is the kind of advice that our audience dies for because they're all, it's, it, so many people listening are young. They're just graduating college. They're in those shoes where they're like, I have this passion. I have the excitement. I have the energy. Like, how do I get noticed? So let's get into some of this stuff. Um, we'll start wide and then narrow into some specifics. In your five years with MSG and your, in your, in your decades of experience in the industry, what were some of the emerging trends you started to see in talent acquisition? Were there certain roles that were growing in demand? Were there some that were harder to fill than others? Were there certain just ideas and concepts out there that were starting to emerge and become more important? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, you know, I, I manage the uh, marketing recruiting for MSG and I, I think marketing as a whole has changed a lot over the years, especially now, you know, sports is so global. And I don't just mean, you know, they're playing soccer, football in Europe, and they're playing basketball in, in China. You know, they're, they're playing, they're playing NBA games in China. They're, they're mm. watching baseball games all over South America. You know, sports is so much more global now that I think the marketing uh, within sports organizations has, has taken um, really to the forefront of things and has changed tremendously, especially with through social media, where you have all these channels that you have to engage your fans in, you know, it's, just looking at social media five, six, seven years ago, you know, it's not just, let me date myself. It's not just MySpace and then onto, <laughs> then onto Facebook. You know, it's everything now from Instagram and Snapchat and just everything that people are using. TikTok is huge right now. And it's how do we engage the most fans in the most areas around the world? So I think that trend has really changed the most. Sales jobs have always been a huge part of our industry. We kind of talked about that earlier, but coronavirus, everything going on in the world right now has dramatically impacted that sector. As I've talked about on this show many times before, we of our job board that had 25,000 jobs in February, 12,000 of them were connected to sales. Now that number, like we have 17,000 jobs now. So we've started to build back up. The industry's getting healthier, but there's like 700 jobs in sales. Like the, just, the sales jobs just aren't really there right now. We've talked about that a lot. Um, are there other ways that you see the industry kind of shifting and changing as we've gone through the coronavirus epidemic? And and where do you think we'll kind of come out in the end? Do you think this will all rebound back to where we were or do you think it'll forever be changed? I think people are going to be very apprehensive. I, I, the industry will rebound. So let me say that. I think the industry yeah. will rebound. I think you'll be back up to 17,000, 20,000 sales roles. You know, it's, it's going to mm -hmm. rebound, I think, tremendously. And there's going to be a need to bring the fans back. But I think it's going to take some time. I think people are apprehensive, especially depending on what market they live in, to getting in an indoor arena with 18,000 of their closest friends and breathing that same indoor air. I think it's, it could take a while till people are comfortable doing that. So I think the touchless part is going to be important. Yeah. And I think that combined with what I've seen the past couple of years is just overall technology related to customer experience. You know, whether it's opening up an app on your phone and those are your tickets, which has been done for years to ordering from your seats. And not just if you're sitting courtside, but if you're sitting up in, you know, the 300 section, you know, you're ordering from your phone now to, you know, taking pictures on your phone and putting them on the Jumbotron at games. I think the technology behind the customer experience at, at sporting events is the potential there is unbelievable. I think we're going to see more and more around that around that sector of the industry. I do think that's a really exciting avenue. I totally agree with you. What I think is 
funny is, I mean, a year ago this time, you and I would be talking probably, and it would be like, man, let's go to a game. It sounds awesome. And now even right. hearing about being in an arena with 18,000 people gives me like the chills. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Exactly. So we have to like change our whole frame of mind once once we get through this. And once we get back to normal and once sales jobs, everything starts yeah. to happen again. I mean, like everybody needs to shift their mentality back to yeah. an environment around other people. It's so strange. Absolutely. Okay. So let's get into hiring tactics a little bit. You open a re- up a rack at MSG, and I guarantee you're getting flooded with resumes. Everybody wants to work for the Knicks. Everybody wants to work for Madison Square Garden. You're probably getting flooded with tons of candidates. Mm-hmm. How yep. do you start that process of narrowing down the field so you can find the best candidates? How do mm-hmm. you even go through that? Yeah, so it, it's a it's a task, you know, absolutely. I mean, I would say that on average, MSG, you know, we would get 60,000 plus, literally 60,000 plus um, resumes. Now, now we've got a lot going, right? So yeah, you do. <laughs> when you think about MSG, it's it's the Knicks, it's the Rangers, it's the Rockettes, it's the venue, um, the venue operation personnel. So a lot going on there. So it's not going to be the same at all teams, of course, right. in all sports organizations. But you know, it, it's about going through the resumes, and and you know, we would go through. I would personally would go through as many resumes I could get through before we we find the right candidates bring for interviews. But um, you know, you just you carve out some time and you source and you go through resumes and you look for some keywords that can help. Now, I'm not talking about an AI machine in which everyone thinks that all companies use where if you don't have certain words, a machine just cancels you out. I'm talking about just me, myself, looking at resumes uh, and looking for certain keywords that, that we need this person to have, whether it's a software, whether it's experience in the industry, in a different industry, um, just overall, what does their resume represent? You know, Can they do this job? And that's really what we're looking for. And, and sometimes we're able to take a chance on someone that maybe doesn't have the exact experience and, and sometimes we can't it just depends on the role. But uh, yeah, it's going through kind of resume after resume and, and seeing what kind of jumps out at you. I feel my vision getting blurry as I hear you like think of you getting through 60,000 resumes or I know you're not personally going through all of them, yeah, but like yeah, not me, but- just the idea of that. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, it's insane. Yeah, yeah it's insane. Yeah. Okay. So I want to really make sure we crystallize this too, because I think this is a really important point. You get noticed if you have the right skills that match the job, right? Absolutely. The right skills, at least to get into that initial conversation. So, you know, something that, you know, we may talk about or may not talk about later on in the call is, um, you know, diversity and things like that. And how do you develop a team and develop your employees? So, you know, there is a thought of taking a chance on people, which I, I want to elaborate on later on. But yeah. so you don't necessarily need the exact experience. And, and in my search lately, I've found a lot of job postings that say at the bottom, you don't have the exact experience. That's cool with us. You know, let us know why. You know, here's a little blurb. Write us a blurb about yeah. why you're good for this job, even though your experience doesn't match up 100%. So, do you need the exact correct experience? That will definitely help. And right. you have a better chance to get through the door with that exact experience. But don't be too dejected. You know, don't don't be like, hey, I worked in sales, now I'm applying to the CMO role in marketing. You know, right. but if you've got some relevant experience on there, you know, let us know. Network and let people know why you're a good fit and let's see what we can do. I know there's no hard and fast number, but like I tell people sometimes, like if there's 10 skills listed or 10 requirements or 10 wants or whatever, and you have six to seven of them, that's a pretty good starting point. 
like that's a pretty good Love reason that. to to apply for the job. You don't have to be like, Love and, that. and you mm-hmm. find a lot of times some people are like, oh, well, I don't have every skill they wanted, so I'm not going to bother. And then you have other people that are like, I don't have any of the skills, but it sounds like fun, <laughs> so I'm going to apply. And it's like, let's find a middle ground there, right? <laughs> I love that barometer and I, I love also what you just said. I want to emphasize that's where, because when I was younger and, and, you know, going into workingsports.com and, you know, looking at other jobs, I would say, wow, this job sounds really fun. I know I can do that job. Right. Know, of course I can do that job. But, you know, the recruiter who's looking at your resume <laughs> doesn't you? know you. Yeah. <laughs> right? Who are you? Exactly. You were a so, golf caddy for the summer. What do you have? <laughs> right? What skills do you possibly have? <laughs> exactly. So I love that what you said, you know, look for those six or seven different skill sets. If you have that, give it a try and see what yeah. you can do. Yeah. Okay. So when I was in hiring and definitely not at your level and definitely not reviewing as many <laughs> as you did, I mean, our, our process was relatively simple. So I was the news director at Fox Sports Northwest and we'd start out with, you know, phone interview to narrow the field, video interview to narrow it even further. Final two to three candidates come into the office. They meet with me. They go through and have interviews with other people. Then it's time to make an offer or whatever. You narrow it down to those people. I talked to a lot of people, and I know this process isn't the same everywhere across the board, but there's kind of a general outline there if that's how it, it works in a lot of places. Right. I talked to a lot of people that are like, I keep getting phone interviews, but then <laughs> nothing else happens. So what's your advice in there? Is there certain things that people mess up a lot in phone interviews or something they might be able to do better or something that you're particularly looking for to help somebody stand out and make it to that next phase? Yeah, I mean, the phone interview is tough, right? Because a lot of times you're better in person, you're better face to face. I know I am. So phone interviews are tough. I mean, look, it's it's hard to say. It's easy to say if when you get more established in the industry, but be yourself. You know, you can tell as a recruiter when someone is faking it or when they're super nervous, which is fine. Like I'm nervous right now talking to you, Brian, so it's okay to be nervous, (laughs) but (laughs) you know, that stuff is okay, but be yourself and just think of it as a conversation, like be confident, you know, you're selling yourself. No, you're an expert in that, right? Nobody knows you better than you know yourself. You are an expert in the field of you. So, you know, be yourself, have that conversation with the person, make it as natural as possible. You know, at the end of the day, we want a good skill set, but we want somebody that, you know, you want to work with over 50 to a thousand hours a week that you're working, you're with this person more. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be exactly what we want. That doesn't mean you have to be friends with the person at all, but just be yourself, have your personality shine through. And, you know, I think that will, that will really help. Phone interviews are tough, but, you know, be open, be honest, answer questions, ask questions, key, and just show them why you're going to be a great addition to the team. I always found for myself that when I narrowed down to an initial list of these are the people I'm going to start with a phone interview, by that point, I had already kind of determined they had a right mix of skills that I was interested in. So really, I was trying to determine, like, are they a fit? Like, am I going to enjoy working with them? Are they going to fit with the rest of our staff? Do I think they have all those other intangibles? Is that what you're kind of going through, too, is figuring out, like, who are the right fits for MSG and our culture and our environment? Yeah. You are going through that. So two points on that. So I would say culture fit, but also take a step further and say cultural ad, right? So we're looking to add to that culture, whether it's at MSG or any place or any place I've worked before. You know, we don't, I don't necessarily want to keep hiring the same person over and over again. That is not going to help you know, take diversity on the side for one second, but that's just not going to help the culture at at any company at all. When you have a thousand Matt Resnick's like, I would hate that. Everyone would hate that. You you want different people there. They bring a different point of view and diversity of thought. So that's key. But something to also keep in mind, if you're getting the interview, if you're on the phone, if you're in person, we want to hire you. Right. Mm -hmm. So like I said, 60,000 plus resumes, 
I'm not just talking to people just because I'm bored, right? I'm talking to somebody because something stood out to me, whether it was a message they sent me, whether it's six to seven skills, like you said, I want to hire this person. I want to talk to you on the phone and I want to love you and I want to hire you. So think about that during these phone interviews to build up your confidence a bit. This person that's talking to you wants to hire you for that job. So just be strong and, and do your best and you know, you want to get hired. They want to hire you. It's a win-win. I can't tell you how much I love that advice because so many people go into it with a frame of mind of like the other person on the other end of the phone is an adversary and it's exactly right. the opposite, right? It's exactly like, I, I want to, I want you to be the perfect match. I want you to be the ideal fit. I want you to win right now because mm-hmm. then we can move in this process further. I can start exactly. filling this role. I can get the right person in. Like they want you to win and it can't be seen as adversarial at all. It's got to be seen as here's your chance to make this person believe you're the right fit. A hundred percent. And look, as a recruiter, my job is to bring great candidates to hire matters and get them hired. So just emphasizing that point even more, I want to hire you for you, but I want to hire you for me because yeah. when I find good candidates, I get to continue to work and continue to look good. Right. Yeah, you so look good. It's exactly. It's for everybody. Yeah. They're all, you're all on the same team on that. Like I'm not, exactly. I'm not interviewing you to try to make you look like an idiot and then laugh at you right. in, the, in the workshop, right. you know, later in the break room. Like I really want you to do right. well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So right now, especially, I think some of the biggest problems that a lot of our job seekers have is getting noticed, right? So you apply for a job, there's tons of resumes that you're competing with. You know, there's there's just so much competition out there for these roles. And we're trying to give them tips and techniques to stand out, right? We're trying to give them the little ideas and that little extra 1% or that little extra 5% they can be doing. In your view, are there certain universal skills or attributes to help somebody stand out? Like I was talking the other day on a podcast, like, really becoming a master of Excel or Photoshop or or something like Salesforce or whatever. Those are skills that like almost no matter what role you're in can really benefit you. Google Analytics, like really becoming a master in some of those things. Are there certain things that stand out to you that say this is just a good skill for people to have or a good attribute or a good way to, you know, project yourself and present yourself in order to stand out? You know, I love that point about this, the skills and you talked about like Salesforce, Google Analytics, 100%, you know, do some research, right? Look at what are you interested in? What companies you want to work for? What teams, what organizations, what role do you want? What's applicable to that role? You know, do you need to have some sort of, you know, CRM if yeah. you're working in sales? Yes, probably. Uh, you know, do you need to have some sort of social media expertise for working in marketing? Definitely. So do some research and then go. There's plenty of courses online, right? You plug for Coursera and LinkedIn. I mean, you can jump into any of those and find some great, even free courses. So do some research, find what's needed in those roles that you're interested in, build up some expertise and then put that on your resume. And then through the conversation of interviews, hey, have I used this at a job? No, but look what like, I think that's great. Like if you're yeah. a candidate, you say, didn't use this on a job, but I knew I needed it. So I just spent the last two months becoming an expert in this. Wow. Like work ethic, initiative. Amazing. I love that. I mean, definitely go after those things. And what a great story to be able to tell too, if somebody is unemployed right now or during they're on furloughed or they're even working a lighter schedule, it's like, well, what have you been doing during this time? Oh, I've been enhancing my own skills. You know, I've been learning the other things. It's a great story to be able to tell during an interview as well. I I couldn't agree more. I mean, look, I'm, I'm doing some consulting right now on the side and I'm working for a company in an industry that I've never worked in before and just trying to build up more and more skills. I mean, I'm, I'm doing it now, so I, I can't stress enough. I mean, it's super important. And, and now is the time if you're out of work or you're just graduated looking for a job, take the extra time and learn a new skill. It will help. 
Okay, so I'm going to need you to be brutally honest here. I've, oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> this is the fun part, okay? Uh, over my career, I've probably reviewed thousands of resumes. I'm guessing you've re read about 10x that amount or, um, you know, hundreds of thousands. Yeah. <laughs> I have a list of personal pet peeves that happen on resumes that I see all too frequently, but I want to hear yours. So, like, when you're going through this process, there has to be certain things that you see that just mm -hmm. either drive you crazy or immediately push somebody to the no column. And now you got to share them. Wow. Okay. So, uh, how much time do we have? No. <laughs> as much I, as I you think, need. <laughs> you know, there's some basic ones um, spelling errors, grammatical errors on resumes. Take the time. You know, I mean, look over your resume look over it again and then look over it again yeah. then have a friend look over it and then have one of their friends look over it. i mean look i fell victim to it, it years and years ago i looked over my resume a thousand times had friends look over it and then had another friend look at it and say hey you know you have a spelling error here and and i never caught it no one caught it so yeah. review you know if i see those spelling errors and I, I brutally honest right i hate to be harsh but you're thinking this person is going to be hired to represent the company so What's going to happen? Are they going to miss a detail? Are they going to, you know, miss a number and some calculations? So that could be a reflection. It's a simple mistake, but it's also a simple fix. So really go after those resumes, make sure they're perfect. Um, cover letters, you know, I, I, I am, I don't know if I'm in the majority now or the minority now, I'm not sure, but I don't like cover letters that much. I think that <laughs> they right. can be a waste of time. Um, they're great if I'm not really sure what you're looking for and you can explain who you are a little bit more. But I don't really need them. I mean, I'm going to the resume first and foremost. You know, that tells me the story. Um, but cover letters, if you're going to submit a cover letter, make sure you're talking about the right job, right? So if you'd apply to many <laughs> jobs, I see this too much, Brian. It's not great. You've applied to, you know, social media director three weeks ago, and now you're applying to, you know, production director. And you put, I'm writing you in regards to social media. I mean, right do, there. take some yeah. time. I get, exactly. Do, take some time. Yeah. Make sure everything is aligned with what it needs to be. And um, the other thing I would say is just, again, like I said before, your resume is telling the story. So just make sure it's efficient. It's to the point. Mm -hmm. It's not too extra. And it is concise and easy to read. I mean, if we get resumes where just everything is all over the place, 60,000 resumes, right? At some right. companies. So we're moving on. Like we've got to be able to see it and we're looking for your experience, probably your education, maybe not education if it's not on there, but definitely experience who you are. I'd love to see your name, your contact information. And those are important things. So I want to be able to find those really quickly. So it's a pet peeve for me when I've got to open up a resume and I'm hunting for those things. So keep it concise. Yeah. You know, you can make it look good, get creative if you want, but make sure it's easy to read. I had a, uh, so I was hiring an anchor for our news broadcast and I had their resume and then I also had their demo reel. So I'm looking mm -hmm. at their resume and I put on their demo reel to watch on my TV and the names were spelled differently on the, on the demo reel and on the resume. And I was like, wait a second, how does somebody spell their own name wrong? And then I was thinking like, again, exactly to your point, if they're messing up this, they're going to come on the air. They're going to say something wrong. They're going to, they're not going to have attention to detail. It's the wrong right. message to get across. So all those little exactly. details matters yeah. <laughs> so much. And you can laugh about them now, but. Right. <laughs> and look, is that fair? You know, if you're sitting no. here listening, thinking, you know, that's not fair. If I just make one mistake on my resume, you think that, oh my God, I'm going to like lose the company thousands of dollars. But this is all we have to, this is all we have to go by, right? I, I don't know you, unfortunately, not yeah. yet at least. I hope to, but your resume, again, it's telling the story of who you are. It's telling the story of your career, telling the story of what you want to do. This is your first, you know, the first look on you is what we're getting is your resume. So that is kind of what we have to go by now. So just make it as perfect and as great as it can be. It's, it's so true. And it is unfair that we're judging, but like, again, if you're high 
hire for a social media person and or director, associate, whatever, and they have all these spelling errors, it's like, well, then what are they going to do? They're going to go out and represent our brand and have mistakes exactly. out there too. And then we're going to get flame mails from everybody out there because you know how Twitter right. is. I mean, you just <laughs> right. don't, you, you don't need to open up that problem. So make <laughs> exactly sure you have that attention true. to detail. Okay. Right. Another question I get a lot is I just had an interview. It went really well. It's been four days. I haven't heard from anybody. What should I do? So how do you feel about follow-up? Like how should somebody go through that process? Cause I always, I always picture, and this is probably dating myself, mm -hmm. but Mikey from swingers who like constantly keeps calling the girl and calling the girl. And I'm, I'm probably a reference that nobody else is going to understand except me, but he keeps calling this girl and he gets her voicemail message. And then he's like, well, maybe she didn't hear me. So he calls her again and leaves another message. And then he calls her again and leaves a fourth message and it just gets worse and worse and worse worse. Very embarrassing to watch. Anyway, I'm going on a long t tangent here. <laughs> I, I, everybody should go back and watch Swingers. Nonetheless. Um, right. If you want to have a podcast just about Swingers. Oh, we can? In, yes. I think that was, that was, that was Nikki, right? That was Nikki's yes, answer machine. Nikki. Hi, Thank Nikki you. Message. <laughs> I love yeah, that movie. It's, I think Mike says it's fun and he calls again. But yeah, yes. I think we could have a whole episode with that. Oh, if you want. This, this has to happen. Okay. So <laughs> and it'd just be you and me because nobody else cares, but whatever. Um, okay. So what is the right way then for somebody to, in a professional manner, who had a good interview and wants to stay on the radar to follow up and make sure that they can do everything they can to present themselves in the best light and not let that yeah. momentum stop? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. A great point. I mean, it's, it's ghosting, right? It's, it happens in oh, dating, so I've heard now. Yeah. It happens in job interviews. It's it's not great. And, you know, as a recruiter, if anyone's listening that I've ghosted before, I apologize. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't mean I, it. I, I, really, <laughs> right? I really try and make an effort to at least get back to you and let you know, hey, it didn't work out. You know, you might not get the reason that you want. But I think that it's just it's courteous. You know, yeah. it's just kind of a humanistic approach to just let someone know. It's just a quick email. But you know, regardless, it's going to happen. So um, I think follow up is great. I think I, I'm following up with people now as a recruiter. I, I like when you follow up with me. Um, you know, if I've got nothing to tell you, I'll hopefully get back to you and say, hey, I don't have anything right now. I've even told candidates, look, if you don't hear from me by next week, feel free to shoot me an email and, and just push me and let me know. Because as recruiters, we've got a lot going on, right? There's a lot of roles we're working on. There's a lot of candidates that we're balancing. There's higher managers we're balancing. So you may slip through the cracks. And that's not to say that recruiters aren't doing a great job, but there's a lot going on. So follow up. And and is there a rule, like you said, you know, for Mikey and Swingers versus two days <laughs> and it was six days, yes. nobody really knows, right? So look, follow up. If you think time has gone by for a recruiter says you should hear from me, hope they're setting expectations, right? If they're not, and you haven't heard from them for, you know, three, four days, it's not a holiday. It's not a weekend. Feel free to shoot them an email. You know, it, again, I go back to something I said earlier in the call. If you're not doing it, somebody else is, mm -hmm. and you want to stay as top of mind as possible. So follow up, like, don't go on all their social media, all their, their LinkedIn account, their Facebook. Don't start like cyber stalking them. That's not great. But if you <laughs> that's have, not great. <laughs> that's not great. That's frowned upon, let's say, right? If you have their work email, follow up with them every couple of days, you know, and, and they'll say to you, hey, stop emailing me. I'll email you when I know. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, I don't think you being a little bit aggressive and showing how much you want this job more times than not is going to work in your favor than be detrimental to you. So um, 
personally, I'm terrible at negotiation. It's never been something I've been strong at. I, I literally got my first job at CNN Sports Illustrated, and I was so excited. I think I, uh, I relocated to Atlanta and got down there before I even knew how much they were going to pay me. Like, I wow. really, like, I was desperate and very excited, and I was like, I don't know, I was 21 and just ready to, raring to go. Um, that recruiter, you made that recruiter look really good at that point. I know, You're right? Like, Is he going to take the job? Yeah, you already moved here. I, already I, said yes. I didn't even have to tell him how much he was making. I didn't even know if I got vacation or benefits or anything. Exactly. I was like in my car driving. Um, so I, I've, sadly enough, over my career, I've never gotten better at it either. Um, <laughs> what are some basics? And I, I don't think like if you're entry level and just getting started out, like maybe not take my advice, but like you, you got to kind of roll with it a little bit and take that opportunity and run with it. But like for you and your experience on both sides of the equation, what are some basic tenets of negotiation and how somebody might be able to approach this mm-hmm. in negotiating an offer and, and getting themselves in a, in a good, uh, like both sides win kind of situation? Sure. So I would say do your research, right? If you have friends in the industry, talk to them. If they're okay sharing what they make, you'll have a better idea of, of kind of what the industry, what that team or that job is paying. So that's important. Uh, do work like on, on um, you know, uh, different websites that are out there where you can look and do some research on what people are getting paid in the industry with those teams. That will help as well. Um, I would say in the beginning stages of an interview, you may be asked right away, what are you looking for? What's your salary range? If you've done that research and you know what you're worth compared to that research, give them a range, okay? You know, if you want to flip it on them and say, hey, not really sure what's the role, what are you guys looking to pay for this role? That's fine too. I hate when people do that to me, but I know the game, so I respect it. And, you know, that's fine as well. What I will say is if you give that salary range in the beginning initial process of the interview process, um, and then they come back to you with an offer, if you say to them, hey, I'm looking for 55 to 60,000 per year, they come back to you and they say, here's your offer, it's 58,000. And you say, okay, well, you know, I'm really looking for 70,000. The recruiter, all of a sudden now, you've just turned everybody off because now I'm wondering, well, why did you tell me this? I've told the hire manager that. I've told my colleagues that. Everyone involved knows you're looking for that. You can tell finance, compensation, the hire manager, everybody that you've gone back now and you asked for more money. If there's a reason, fine. If the, if the process took really long and you've recently been promoted, that's great. Just let me know that. But try to stick with what you give them initially so you don't turn anybody off. Um, as far as asking for more, no one is just, unfortunately, no one is just going to hand you more money, right? You've got to ask. And I tell people this, when they ask me and they say, oh, I'm so sorry to ask. I would say, look, don't be sorry. Like you're in charge of you, your life, your career. I don't know what's going on in your life. Like you've got to ask. Like I, hopefully the team, the organization, the company is giving you a more than fair offer. So everybody is happy. Like you said, we want both sides to be happy. But if you feel like I need a little more and I have legit reasons why I should ask, then you should ask. I mean, again, no one is just going to hand it to you. If you're not going to ask, you can't expect somebody else to hand it to you. So don't be afraid to ask. Just keep it realistic. Do your research. That will really help. It's great advice. And it really does start with really knowing the marketplace and doing the research. Put in the legwork, you know, really find out what's going on out there. Because when you're armed with information, you can make a more compelling conversation out of it. Um, mm-hmm. We'll finish exactly. up with this. And this has been a great interview. It's been so much fun talking to you. And I, I love getting into all these tactics. Oh, no, this I is appreciate great. it. Yeah, we'll finish up yeah. with this. It's a little yeah. bit more serious of a subject, but I think it's important. I think it's amazing to me. Like I've been in the industry for 25 years now and people are surprised. Young people that I talk to are surprised when I tell them that diversity and inclusion is a relatively new focus in the sports industry. This has not always been mm. a thing. Yeah. And that when they hear that people who are hired in uh, diversity and inclusion, like 
there's the SVP of diversity and inclusion. And then they find out that that's the first time that role has ever existed. And they were just hired like three years ago. Mm-hmm. People are really surprised. And I believe this yeah. attention makes us better and makes us more representative of the industry in the industry. And I think it's super important. And I love this. And we've done a lot of programming to support that and other initiatives in, this, in the industry. What, in your view, are other trends you'd like to see additional focus on in regards to hiring? Yeah, wow. That, I mean, it is such a such a topic, and unfortunately, it's a hot topic. It should be a topic that's been evergreen, right? Right. But it's kind of the the in the now topic. Um, I wish it wasn't. I wish we've been doing work around diversity, inclusion, and sports forever, but we haven't. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you, and I can't emphasize enough how important it is. Um, you know, I think the stat is what companies perform. I think thirty to thirty five percent better when they have a diverse workplace compared to companies that don't. So, the proof is right there in the data, yeah. right? I mean, it's right there. I, I would say, you know other trends. I don't know that there is one. I think just piggybacking on diversity inclusion, I I think something along the hiring practice when it comes to that is going to be more hire managers taking more chances on candidates. And what Mm -hmm. I mean is you've got to be willing as a manager and as a leader to develop your team. You can't just say, I've got this opening and I want someone who has gone to an Ivy League school and has worked for a bank and has done this and has had this title and then this title and they have this software, right? Because now now the, the tunnel of candidates is super narrow, right? And we've got to widen that scope to get more diverse with our hiring practices. So you're going to see teams start to take more chances on people because I know that people in HR are really pushing hire managers now to say, look, you're a manager, you're a leader. It's time to start developing your team. And that's going to bring in a more diverse population. It's going to bring a more diversity of thought. It's going to bring in a lot more successful initiatives and successful just overall business ideas and practices to all teams and all companies. If we really start to take a little bit of a chance on people, knowing that we can develop them and get them where we need them to be. I love that because when I first started in the industry, I had weeks and weeks of training Mm. on the job before I ever had to do anything. Like there were days I showed up for weeks where I was just being trained and developed and getting ready to perform the task ahead of me. And it does feel like some of that's gone away. And there is more like niche hiring, super, super elite niche hiring. I only want this specific narrow thing. And the broader we can get and the more development we emphasis we put on things and the more career development and professional development we do once they're in the work place to train and make them the best, you're going to make them want to stay too. You're going to make them retain and stay and be committed to the organization and it benefits everyone. So I love that perspective. Matt, this is awesome. What a great conversation. I am so thrilled you came on. Thank you so much. Just to be able to help anybody and give back just a little bit. If one person is listening, I, I heard you have millions listening, but if one person listening that I can help, that's great. And, and thanks for having me. I'd love to do it again. Thank you to Matt for coming on the show. I'm excited to kick off this month of really digging into talent acquisition with Matt because he and I really hit it off. I I really enjoyed listening to him. I thought he had great energy. I thought he had so much great knowledge to share. He has experience from doing it and also being in talent acquisition. So he's been out there in sales. He's been out there in these roles and then been in talent acquisition, really understands the marketing side of things. Again, just a really well-rounded guy to share and kick off 2021 for us. So thanks to Matt. Matt for coming on the show. For all of you out there, please make sure you rate wherever you listen. You subscribe to the podcast. You share it with some friends. You you know connect with our our private Facebook group on uh, for the Work in Sports podcast. These are all ways to start building your community, meeting other people, getting connected in the industry, and learning. That's what this is about. This is about actionable advice to help all of you 
learn how to get ahead in your sports career. So thank you for listening as always. And uh, let's make this a year of everybody getting back to work. All right, let's get to work. 